And that's again Genesis chapter 22. I'm so sorry. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14 will be the scripture that we read today. You can find it in your Bibles or you can follow along up here on the screen. We'll, we'll understand a little bit better about what's given here in a moment. But we've seen Abram go from he's been obedient and left everything. And then we've seen him uh, go to the point where he is totally and completely doing his own thing with, uh, with Hagar and having another son, Ishmael. That was not the son that God desired for him to have. was not the son that he had planned for him to have as he began to do his own thing. was not the covenant child, right? And we see that. And today we're going to read here a little bit more about what comes of Abraham's life. Amen. So here we go in chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. It reads like this. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to, to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood... But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad. Or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Amen. And probably a well-known story for most of us. Um, maybe not scripture you'd think to hear on the day we're having a child dedication, but but a well-known uh, story, no doubt. Um, and I love this story. Just reading that scripture this morning, I just feel the presence of God uh, so calmly, so sweetly, um, just visiting with us because this is we see so much of the love of God and the passion of God in these verses here. I mean, we'll get to that in a moment. But but I want to start with talking about roars. Amen. Not the ones that you measure things with, that they give kids in, in first grade or whatnot. But I want to talk about rulers. And growing up, one of my favorite stories to read about, to watch about, different ones and things like that, was Robin Hood. I love reading stories of Robin Hood and things like that. And the premise of the story of Robin Hood is that King Richard is the righteous king, the good king, the king that everybody wants, but he's off fighting battles. And in this place... His brother John has either usurped the throne or taken his place or abusing the power that fell to him as the brother of King Richard, right? And everybody wanted this man out. He, he, was a, he was sitting in the role of a ruler, but he was not the ruler. He viewed everything as his, even though it wasn't his. He viewed everything as under his control, even though it wasn't under his control. And everybody desired for this man that was abusing the role that he had to be gone so that the righteous king could have control and authority 
over the realm, right? That is the general premises of the of the Robin Hood story and the story of King Richard and King and, and King John. And I began to and I began to study this week, and this story just 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 permeated into, into me, and I began to think, how is this relevant to this story? But I, I want us to understand that for many of us, we view ourselves in the in the light as a ruler, right, over our own kingdoms. There's even been times in my life where I'd take Harper when she was little, I'd stand out on the porch, and I'd hold her up like Simba and say, look, child, all this that you see is one day will be yours, right? Except for that dark spot over there because they won't sell it to us. And, and, and go, th- you know, go through all that with. And we joke, we have fun, and, and we, we, we like to think of ourselves sometimes of rulers of our own little kingdom, right? We know the boundaries of our land. We, we know where this is and that is. We know what grows on that side. We know what grows on this side. We know every little bit about the, the place that we think is ours. We know the things about our cars. We know the things about our homes. We know the things about our family. And we view ourselves in the light of, of being a ruler, of some overseer, of some person of power and authority and position. But as I begin to read through Scripture, and I begin to read through the story of Abraham, I realize that that not is not necessarily the role that God has intended for us to have. I begin to look at the story of Abraham and look at some of the times that he began to view himself as a as a ruler of his own life, a ruler of his own story, a ruler of his own path. Right? We go and we see that he goes into this this land, this promised land, and and there's a time where he has to go to Egypt. So he is concerned about his possessions. He's concerned about his family. He's concerned about what his kingdom is, and he begins to rule over it in a way that he thought would be best and begins to lie, begins to tell things and do things that aren't, aren't morally correct, that aren't, are, are wrong, that, that are even putting his family in even more danger, right? And you see that later on in that story because he begins to rule over his own house. We see the same thing with Hagar and Ishmael. They begin to rule over their own house instead of letting God rule over their home. And we see that corruption and destruction and pain comes from that because they got to a place where they viewed themselves as being a ruler over what was theirs. They owned it. They possessed it. They controlled it. They had power over it. They had position over it because so they could do what they wanted to in those situations, in those circumstances, right? And they viewed themselves as rulers. And we all view ourselves as rulers over something, right? We really do. We all look at our lives and think, I'm the ruler over my home. I'm the ruler over my land. I'm the ruler over this. If we're renting or whatever, we find this little thing, this little niche that we think, this is mine. I own it. I possess it. And there's nothing else that's going to change that. Because for some level, it makes us feel stronger. On some level, it makes us feel like we belong. For some level, it makes us feel like we've arrived or we've accomplished something in our life, that we have value, that we have worth, that if we don't have something, that if we don't control something, that we don't have power over something, we have little value to the world around us. But that is a bad mentality. Mentality, wrong mentality for us to have. And Scripture nowhere, nowhere tells us that that is how we should view the things that we have in our life, the things that are around us in our life, to view them as something to have power control over, to have value, right? We're not rulers over our things, over their possessions. Abram had to learn that. Abram had to make bad decisions and think that he was a ruler to get to a point where he is at in this Scripture. In this Scripture, Amen. But I want us to think, if, if we're not supposed to be rulers, why, why is it that we're not supposed to just view these things as urge or control or power and authority? And the Scripture talks in one place about every good gift. That every good gift. And what we struggle to understand sometimes, maybe what we struggle to grasp, is that we may be in possession of things of our little kingdom, but they are not ours. They are not ours. James, John says this, he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from... Above, and comes down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift 
And every perfect gift is from above. Abram wasn't perfect. We understand that. He failed. He came short many, many times. But at this point in Scripture, at this season in his life, he understood that what was his was not his. What he possessed was not his possessions. What he had was not his. That it was all God's and it came from him. That God had authority over everything in his life. God had power over everything in his life. God had control over everything in life. And if Abram failed to recognize that, he was just lying to himself. And we too fall into that place that anything in our life that we begin to cherish, that we begin to have, that we hold in high esteem and think this is what makes me powerful, this is who makes me what I am, that I have this and I have this and I have this, and without it I'm nothing. If we begin to view things in that way, we have believed a lie. And that is not what God desires for us to have. Amen? And as today we're going to have a child dedication. And I love child dedications. I love what they stand for, what they mean, and, and, and the mentality that they have. But all that really is, right? Because different people have different ideas of what they are. A child dedication is solely this. It is two parents, the parents of the or the parents of the child, coming to a point where they recognize this truth. That this child is not their own. That this child has simply and purely been given to them as a gift from God above. And that they are symbolizing through this, this understanding that, hey, I'm giving, signifying giving and dedicating this child back to you. I love that, right? I love this mentality. We, we, we see it with, with Samuel and his mother, right? His mother goes and prays and prays and prays for, for months on end, that crying out that God would give her a child, that if she would just he would just give her a child, that she would get up giving it back to him once he's weaned and everything, and that he'd, she'd let him work in the tea point. God gives her a child, and she loves this child. She cherishes this child. She pours into this child, and there comes a time when she dedicates the child back to the temple. And Samuel becomes one of the greatest prophets, one of the greatest men of God in the Old Testament, right? And we look at our lives, and, and we have these children. We dedicate, and we did one a couple of years ago. We're doing one today, and and that's a great mindset to have. But but what if we took that that farther, right? We love that. It's a great idea for when we're thinking about. Well, I want to dedicate my child back to the Lord. I want to raise them right. I want to teach them the ways of the Lord and everything. But what if we viewed everything through that lens? What if I viewed everything that I have, everything that's in my home? Everything that I come in contact with, everything that I have some kind of touch with in my life, I view it through that, that lens of, I'm dedicating this, this back to you. That this was yours in the first place. Because we can talk about giving a child, but we don't have to give it, right? The child is there, we raise it, we can take it home. We're not going to keep Austin and Kelly's, we're not got a room built outside here that we're going to put little Cohen in, and that we're all going to take turns raising them. Cohen's going home with him, right? But what if we viewed everything in this life of, I'm giving this to you, God. And whatever you want to do with it, you do with it. Whatever you'd like me to do, I'll do. If you tell me to go and use this for this reason or for this purpose or for this glory, I will do it because it's not mine in the first place. It's yours anyway, and I'm just overseeing it for a time. I'm just looking after it for a time. We oftentimes, we limit what we give God control or access over, right? We say, well, God, I'll give you control over this part of my life, but you can't ask anything of me from this area of my life. You can do this with this, that, and the other, but I'll never do that with it. I'll use my car to go to church. I'll use my car to go to work. But if you tell me to go somewhere else in the country and do some kind of work for you, I ain't going to do that. I want to use my home to take care of my family and do this, that, and the other. But if you tell me to take in somebody, that needs home, that needs rest, that needs comfort. I won't do that, Lord. I'll use this for your glory, my glory, but I won't use it for your glory. I'll buy the money to feed the children and do this and do that, but I won't give my money up to do this because it's my money. It's it's mine. It's it's mine. 
And we view life through this realm of what we're okay with giving and what we're not okay with giving. What we're okay with saying, yeah, Lord possesses that part of my life and not okay with saying, well, God can't have any part of this, this part of my life. And it's a wrestle. It's a struggle that we all go through. That we all face. That we all have problems with. That we all have something in our life that we have not submitted and committed and dedicated to the Lord because that's mine. And it's too precious to give up. It's too much of value to us for whatever reason. It's different things for some people. It's money for some people. It's it's their possessions for some people. It's time for other people. But we have to come to the acknowledgement and the reality that none of it's ours in the first place. It says every good gift... Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Amen. If it wasn't, if we if we have it, it came from Him. If we didn't have it, it's because He hadn't given it. We have to understand that He has given it to us, not for us to hoard, not for us to keep, not for us just to say this is mine and nobody can have it, nobody can use it. It has no other value but besides me, my four, no more. But to realize that He has used it for us to, He's given it for us to use it for His glory. He has given it for us not just to hold on to, but to say, Lord, how can I use this to help other people grow? We talk about, there's a scripture in the Bible where it talks about the talents. One has five, and one has three, and one has one. I believe it's how it works out. And some used it, and others hoarded it. Some said, well, I realize this isn't mine, so I've got to advance it. I've got to grow it. I've got to use it for God's glory. And others said, I'm going to hold it back because I don't know what to do with it. I'm afraid to do anything with it. It's mine, and I'm not going to let anything happen to it. We must understand that anything you have in your home between those four walls, the lint that you pulled out of your couch is God's. That's God's lint. That's God's pennies you pull out of, out of the um, uh, dryer whenever you get the clothes out. It's God's possession that He has just said, you look over it for me for a season. You use it in a way that I'd be pleased with, not in the way that you would be pleased with. And too many of us are so focused on what can I do with my things, this, that, and the other, to make me happy instead of what can I do with my things to make God happy. Too many of us are so concerned with how can I make this help me prosper instead of how can I use this to help the kingdom prosper. Too many of us are thinking, well, well, if I do this or I give this up, I'm going to be happy. But what we need to understand is when we are serving God and we are obedient to God and we are faithful to God, we will be happy. No amount of possessions. Bible we talked about this morning, that to lay up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt. What it's getting down to, some of the other scriptures it connects to, is just solely this. It ain't going to make you happy no matter what all you have. If you just keep it for yourself and hoard it up and never use it and never help anybody with it, it won't bring you joy. It won't bring you contentment. It won't bring you happiness. But we receive joy and fulfillment from being obedient to God. And He gives us to give others. When we stop giving, it's when God's blessings stop rolling on, right? We can be the ones that are the fulfillment of somebody else's prayer request because we are obedient to what God told us and called us to do. He gave it to you and you're like, well, I've got to protect it. I've got to keep it in my house. I've got to do this. I've got to make sure nothing ever happens to it. He didn't give it to you for you to keep forever. We're just here for a moment. Just an inkling of a second. And to move on and go on to another place, a greater place in heaven. But while we're here, we can use what we have to bless others. To encourage others. To strengthen others. We can be the ones that share every good gift that God has given to us. But too many of us view life in this realm that if I give it up, I'm losing something. Jesus tells us one place. He says, if you give your life, you will find it. 
It's when you give that we actually find the joy and the peace and the comfort that we've been searching for and all the things that we've been holding on to for so long. So yes, we have this child dedication. We, we go through and we're going we're gonna to have this, this, this symbolic meeting together of where we're going to say, God, we are going to, we're giving this child back to you. We're going to do everything. That's as a church. Pour into them. Them as a family. Pour into them and do those things. But what are the things in your life that God has called you to dedicate to Him that you won't let out? That you won't give up? And he's saying, give it, dedicate it, commit it to me. I'll use it for my glory and God will be pleased and and, and the things will go well and you'll be taken care of. You just do what I've called you to do. And we see here with Abraham, Abraham, God calls him and says, Abraham, I want you to go and take your son, your only son. He emphasizes that, right? He doesn't overlook that. He's like, I get it. I know what I'm asking. Take your only son. I want you to go up to this mountain in Moriah, and I want you to go, and I want you to offer him as a burnt sacrifice. I want you to do that. And God has lost, asked a lot of Abraham. Asked him to leave his home. Asked him to keep on moving, go around. Abraham, we never see, builds a home. Never see, settles down in one place. He's constantly moving, constantly going. And here he says, I want you to take this, this son that you have waited for, and I want you to go offer him. And Abraham by, do, Abraham, by doing this, says, Nothing is off limits to you, Lord. But what is off limits to God for you? What is it in your life that's in your bank account or that's in your home or that's in your garage or that's, that's on your property or that's, that whatever it may be that, that's, just, it's, that's just off limits to God that I just, I just can't bring myself to committing this to you, Lord to submitting this area of my life to you, Lord, to dedicating this area of my life to you. What is off limits to God in your life? Because we must understand that we might hold it from off limits, but it's God's anyway. And if He wants to get to it, He'll get to it. Amen? If He wants your time, He'll get you to a place where all you can do is give Him your time. If He wants the assets that you've been hoarding up, He will get you to a place where those assets will get to where He wants them to be. If he wants you to serve that, use your car to serve and go around, you won't use it. He'll use somebody else and he'll get that car to go around and serve those that he needs to serve because he is God. And he says, you can be obedient to me. You should listen to me and you should give this to me. Lay down your life at my feet because it is mine anyway. But we too often say, that's just not for you, God. I can't give you that. I can't leave that at your your feet and say, this is what I'm going to do. What would life look like if we dedicated every part of our life to the Lord? How would we live differently if we dedicated our home, if we dedicated our money, if we dedicated our car, if we dedicated our family, if we dedicated our time to the Lord? How would we live differently if everything was dedicated to Him? Amen. Talk about we're going to raise a child right, but how, what does it mean to have a have a home that you're using for God's glory? How does it look like to have a car that you're using for God's glory? What does it look like when you're using your time and everything that you have for God's glory? It looks like the world that God wants for us to live in. It looks like a world that a church that is pursuing God faithfully and consistently and passionately to do what He's called us to do. But we too often say that's just off off limits. That's off limits. Kelly and Austin are saying with this child, our child's not off limits, Lord. Whatever you want, however you want us to raise him, whatever you want us to pour into him, whatever you end up wanting to do with him, if you want to send him to be a missionary, if you want to use him for your glory as a pastor, as a deacon, or just as a lay member, we're going to do everything we can to prepare him for what it is that you want to use him for. 
And that's great for us to do that. But what is it in your life that you're not willing to do that with? What is it in your life that you're not willing to do that with? I'm going to be honest. And I'm going to shoot straight with you. You might be like, well, this isn't something that really means, means anything to me. Each and every one of us sitting here today has something that's in our home or that's in, it's in our life that we have, that we love, that we cherish, that if God asked for it today, we would not give up. That if God asked us to use it for His glory instead of using it for our pleasure, we would not do because we value it that much. That is not what God wants from His people. He says anything and everything is mine because every good and perfect gift comes from above. Look at your house. Evaluate what you have. Write it all down and look at it and realize that's His. And that's His. And that's His. The clothes that I wore today, that's that's His. The food that I eat today, that's His. The car that I drive today, that's His. Everything that I do, the doorknob at, on, my, on the front door is His. The little cracks and everything that's going on, that's His. It's His, it's His, and it's His alone. And the world has convinced us that we have to possess things to be happy, and that we have to possess things to have power or authority or position or to have value in our life, but it's all His anyway. And we have to understand that and understand that reality in life. I heard about how everything is his. There's one thing, though, that, that wasn't his, and that is that is our sin, right? The Bible says that Christ came walking this earth and was perfect in every way that God wasn't even found in his mouth. But we understand, we can see in the Scripture that, and through the rest of the Scriptures, that sin was not his. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't his plan. It wasn't what he wanted for us or anybody, right? Sin wasn't his. But we can look at this scripture. We can look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, uh, 2-25. And it says this, Who committeth no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So we see, committed no sin, but bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you are healed. For you are like sheep going astray, but have not returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What I want us to understand from that is we oft, we talk a big game, man. I I do, we all do, as Christians, that I, the Lord has saved me, and He has loved me, and He has forgiven me, and He has delivered me from all unrighteousness, from all sin, from all doubt, from all these things that that we that we that bond us down, that we end up going to and one day we'll be able to be with Him in heaven and never have to experience any of those things ever again. And we rejoice in that. And we're excited by that. And then we look at God and we're like, Well, God, what can I do to serve You? And the Bible says that our life, our life, that's everything. Our life is the sacrifice that He desires, is the worthy sacrifice that we should give. And we, we want to act like, well, I can't give that. God gave it. Christ gave it. And we, too, should be willing to give every aspect of our life to show God how much what He did for us matters and means to us. If somebody gave you everything you ever wanted, and then they asked for a couple of minutes of your day, would you say no? If somebody gave you and you had a person that you loved and that was dying and you knew that they had no hope, but they brought them back to life and they asked to use your car or they used your car or use your home for a little bit or for you to go and reach out and talk to somebody for them, would you say no? 
would you say, I just can't do that? God has given us access to life eternal, peace everlasting, access to be able to talk and to convene with God Almighty Himself, to seek and to compel Him to move in our situations in our daily day life. And He asks for very little, and too often we say, no. Too often we say, I can't, that's off limits, that's not... I can't give that to you. I can't sacrifice that. I can't lay that down. I can't give that over. I can't turn that over to you. It's too important to me. It means too much to me. Think of all He has given. Think of all that He laid down. Think of what He did. Sin wasn't His to bear. Sin wasn't His to carry. It wasn't the punishment for what He did because He was perfect in every way and aspect and form. However, He took it anyway. The one thing that wasn't his and he took it. But what is it in our life that we cling to so much? Because reality is when we cling to things that we deny God access to it, that has become a God. When we cling to something so much that we say, God, you can't have that part of my life, that has become an idol. That has become something that we should not have in our life. And we must acknowledge that and recognize that. If we want to grow closer, and we're saying, God, what has stopped me from grow, grow, growing closer to you? And if he, he just was honest with us and blunt as, as some of us are with some things, he would just say, that thing. That thing I've been asking for for weeks and for months and for years now. You won't give it up. And that's that stumbling block. That's that hindrance. That's that thing that won't let you go any farther. You have to give me access to that. Dedicate, your, dedicate that to me. Submit it to me. If you want to move farther, if you want to grow. And we act like, I don't know why I can't get closer to God. If we're wanting to make progress, move closer to God. He will show us the things. And says, give that to me. Give that to me. What's being given to us, we should commit back to God. And if we value it so much that we withhold it from God, that has become an idol to us. And has caused us to sin against God Himself. And we don't want to sin. We don't want to come short of God's glory. We don't want to be the men and women that He doesn't desire for us to be. So whatever it is that we are withholding from God, give it to Him. Whatever it is that you won't commit to God, commit it to Him. Whatever it is that you won't submit, submit it to Him. Because He is the giver of every good and every perfect gift already. We too often are very willing to say a lot of things and never do them. That's reality. You ever worked with somebody like that? Or lived with somebody like that? Um, and and they say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, or I'll change this, or I'll make this right, or I'll make this better, or yada, yada, yada. And they say a lot of things, and they say a lot, of, make a lot of promises. Every politician that's ever walked on the face of the earth. And they say a lot of things, make a lot of promises, but, but they rarely do, Right? Maybe it's somebody that you love to death, but that's just a personality flaw that they have. I don't want to be that type of person with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When I came to, to the recognition that I was lost, and that I needed to be saved, I cried out to God and I said, God, forgive me, and, I, and my life is yours. And I say most of us prayed some kind of similar prayer. God, forgive me, my life is yours. But if I'm honest, my life has not been His fully. And there's many areas of my life that I have not given him access to, that I'm progressing in, but not there yet. And I don't want to be the person who says big, says big things and makes big promises to God and will not fulfill them. And I dare to say most of you don't want to be either. 
And if we have cried out to God in the deepest, darkest hours when we realized we were in sin and headed to a devil's hell and asked Him to save us and to redeem us and to make us new creatures in Christ Jesus and to give us life eternal, and we said, Lord, my life is Yours, then let our life be His. Let every aspect of my life be His. Every breath that I breathe, His. Every moment that I live, His. Everything that I'm given, that I just submit it back to Him because it's His in the first place. And I know that this is what God wants for His people. As we've seen, we talked about it in Sunday school, and I, and I was like, they're gonna, we're going to have to go through the whole sermon again here in a couple minutes because it's just God is speaking this clearly to us. Eternity is more important than temporal pleasure and enjoyment. Salvation for eternity is more important than me being happy for a few minutes and withholding my gifts that He's given me from God. But too often I do that. Too often I withhold what God has asked of me and don't submit it to Him. So what is it that you will not submit? What is it that you will not give back? What is it that you are withholding from God? Give it to Him. Lay it down. All we need is in Jesus. I love this song. All my hope is in Jesus. I love that idea. All my hope is in Jesus. That means I don't need anything else to receive hope or joy or pleasure or peace. It all comes from above. Amen. So if you today...